Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. I am Troy Shockley, and this is the Coffee Break Podcast. Thanks for joining our chat today. Coffee Break brought to you by Cochrane Insurance. And we're starting the morning show with Governor Greg Gianforte, obviously a busy guy. So, sir, I appreciate you giving us some time this morning. Troy, it's good to be with you. Yeah, well, and, and one of these days we're going to be able to actually have you in the studio. I, I, I'd welcome that. I'd love to come see you. Well, and I know whenever you, we find our, whenever we find our trash can lens, I think both of them are like over in North Dakota now or something. Yeah. Well, I, I know you were self quarantining for a bit, but you're back in the office and I, I'm real glad to hear that you've been cleared there and everything's going well. It is actually this morning. I'm over at Fort Harrison. Uh, we're transferring the command, uh, to general Ronick. Uh, so thankful for the work that general Quinn did. Uh, for the Montana National Guard. Uh, Pete Ronick, just a tremendous individual. Uh, in just a little bit, we'll be transferring the flag uh, to him as he takes over the command of the Montana National Guard. Well, you just Wednesday announced that you've lifted some of the uh, the statewide COVID mandates, of course. Your office worked to really kind of streamline and make what mandates are on the books much less complicated. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is the number one issue facing the state is this pandemic. And uh, we're going to get through it together. Um, that's why right after I was elected, I established a task force made up of public health officials, medical officials, but also business people, teachers and parents. And really what we announced Wednesday was the result of their efforts. There had been layers and layers of directives that honestly the business community told us were confusing and sometimes unfair. So we rescinded those. Uh, and we replaced over 25 pages of interlocking directives with a very simple three-page directive that removed numeric limits on capacity uh, and uh, the, the size of gatherings. Uh, but what it does do is it really asks businesses to, to, to take care, to, to ensure social separation, uh, to continue good hygiene. I believe that we can uh, protect each other's health, care for our neighbor, uh, and go on with life. That's what this directive is about. Well, and there are the statewide mandates, but, uh, you know, as of course, you know, individual counties really still in charge of any kind of regulations in their communities, right? Yeah, nothing in this directive changes the authority that local officials have. But I, I just want to emphasize, uh, we were very deliberate and thorough in collecting the input from across the state all sectors. We really believe this is the right way to go forward. Now, one size doesn't fit all. There might be different situations in given counties, uh, but uh, this is going to get us through. And I, I can tell you, Troy, there's some good news. I have two briefings a week on vaccine distribution. And as of yesterday, almost 40, not, well, not almost, 49,000 uh, Montanans have the vaccine in their arm. We now have enough vaccine in the state uh, just around 80,000 doses have been delivered, uh, and that's more than enough for our whole 1A category. Now, 1A is frontline health care workers, nursing homes, long-term care facilities, and next week we're going to be moving into the 1B category. So this is folks 70 years of age and older or younger people that have an underlying health condition. It's going to be different by community. We don't have enough for all vaccine for everybody right away, but we're getting shipments every week. 
the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter. Yeah, it's a great thing. We're actually going to be chatting with Eric Merchant here in a little bit. He, of course, uh, in in charge of the distribution here in Lewis and Clark County. So we'll dive into that a little bit for listeners. But um, vaccines, I suppose, related to, uh, you know, masks, something you've not changed yet. When, you know, we talk about the mandates that you've lifted and that sort of thing. You've said that you want to wait until the vaccine is more widely distributed. Is there any kind of timeline you're looking at for that? Or or is this just a you know it when you see it kind of deal? Well, I hate these masks. Everybody hates them. And, sure. and yeah. I, I look forward to the day when I can take my mask off, throw it in the trash can, and go on with life safely. And I think everybody can kind of resonate with that. I choose to wear a mask because it's a way I can show respect to the people around me. They do limit the spread of the virus. Nobody likes to be told what to do. I understand it's frustrating. Um, and I laid out the plan last week, a day after I was sworn in, on how we're going to get rid of this mask mandate. And there's two triggers. One is this vaccine has to be more widely available to the most vulnerable. This is about saving lives. And the good news is we're making progress. The second thing, I've asked the legislature to give me uh, liability protection for small businesses, churches, nonprofits, and schools and healthcare workers from lawsuits related to COVID if they take reasonable precautions. And that's what this directive was about, laying out what we believe reasonable precautions are, uh, social separation, uh, uh, et cetera. Um, so, and when those two things happen, we'll get rid of the mask mandate. Governor Greg Gianforte with us on Coffee Break this morning. And you mentioned, of course, the legislature, uh, you know, you, you've said and you, and you just said again, you know, you, you're wearing yours. You're encouraging folks in the office to do the same when we when it comes to masks. But, um, you know, that that's not really happening by and large in in the legislature. Is that something you've thought about uh, taking up with leadership there and, and talking with them about that? Well, I meet with leadership, both majority and minority leadership on a regular basis. And uh, that they're, that's their shop. You know, we have separate branches of government. Uh, I'm trying to lead by example in the governor's office. Uh, and we do have made, taken some precautions, limiting large group sizes in the Capitol for lunches and these sorts of things. Uh, but the legislature makes their own rules. And uh, I can encourage them. I can lead by example. And, and that's what I'll continue to do. Well, and we, we don't want to sit on just COVID this morning. I know uh, we're going to have you back on again before too long. Uh, but you also last week you released your budget proposal. Um, and, and we could fill up a whole show with, with talking about all of those things. And But we, we've got others. we got to talk with Eric Merchant. And you've got uh, some ceremonies <laughs> to take care of. Uh, but can you give us some of the highlights? I mean, what are you most focused on? What are you most proud of in this budget proposal? Yeah, so we, uh, Kurt Almy, budget director, just did a phenomenal mm-hmm. job working with the staff. Uh, the highlights, and this is, there shouldn't be any surprises here. This is exactly what I campaigned on. This is the Montana comeback plan budget. We held the line on new spending. So uh, this doesn't mean we cut. What it means is we slowed the growth. So overall, the budget grows less than 1% per year. And even while doing that, we found money to invest in drug addiction, mental health and recovery, trades education, to help people create brighter futures, and about fifty million—excuse me, fifty million dollars—in tax reductions that'll help most Montanans keep more of what they earn. Those are the highlights. We'll take four thousand small businesses in Montana off the business equipment tax rolls. That's going to make mean less paperwork for them and more money in their pocket. 
This all, of course, does still need to then be moved through the legislature. What have you heard back on that front at this point? Well, they're encouraged. I mean, we have a comprehensive plan, uh, and we're working with them. I'll be with legislative leadership again this morning. We're tracking about six uh, specific bills related to the tax aspects of this to simplify our tax code, lower the rates, help low-income folks stay in their homes because property taxes are going through the roof. These are all components of the plan, uh, and we're going to continue to push hard. I need their help. Uh, and uh, they've they've expressed support so far, but it's not done till it's done. Yeah, well, and helping the economy rebound really a focus of yours, but you've also had a pretty strong eye toward the issue of the drug problem in Montana. I mean, it, it's a big problem, and you've got some ideas on how to help battle that. Yeah, and this is really we're working through DPHHS. And let me say, I, I'm a I'm a small government guy, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the number one societal crisis that we face. It's ripping our communities and our families apart. We have some of the highest violent crime in the Rocky Mountain West. Uh, we saw an 8% increase in violent crime last year when the nation saw a decrease. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to bend the curve on this. So we took the, the money from the marijuana initiative and some of the tax, the tobacco tax settlement and targeted towards community-based programs. And to, the truth is, Troy, we had a number of mental health, drug addiction, recovery, both community-based and in the prisons, but we didn't have a full spectrum. And by doing these things and leveraging some federal dollars, we found almost $24 million a year to be applied to a uh, menu of community-based services. So depending on what the community needs, they can pick off this menu to help with mental health, addiction recovery, and these sorts of things. I'm proud of what we've done. We've done it in a fiscally responsible manner, uh, and it is not bigger government because it relies on community-based organizations, nonprofits, and others who really are on the front lines, and they can stretch these dollars further to have more impact across this great state. Governor Greg Gianforte with us on Coffee Break this morning, and we could start talk with you about uh, teacher pay. We could talk about, you know, the trades education. We just don't have the time. So I'm going to get with your people. We're going to schedule something down the road. Uh, but I want to give you a chance. I mean, it, it's great to have light on the horizon here at the start of 2021. We're on our way back. I know you've got to get going, but do you have any parting words for our listeners this morning? Well, I just want to I want to thank Montanans for uh, taking the necessary precautions to protect your own health, the health of your family members and your neighbors. Uh, we're going to come through this stronger. Uh, the, the, the hospitalizations continue to come down. Uh, the new infections continue to come down. We are not out of the woods yet. This vaccine is part of the solution, uh, but people have to be vigilant. And I, I'm, I'm encouraged that by later this spring, uh, we, we will be able to take these uh, masks off, throw them in the trash, and go about our lives safely. Uh, and, and that's what we all want. Governor, I sure appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you, Troy. You God have bless. a good day. Stick around. We've got more Coffee Break coming up after this. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In 
today's always on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for sticking with us this morning. We're finishing out the week chatting with Eric Merchant. He's at uh, Lewis Clark Public Health. He's the administrator of the Disease Control and Prevention Division. He's also the one leading the charge in our vaccination effort here uh, locally. Eric, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with us this morning. Troy, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we've talked about uh, the vaccines, of course, on the news here uh, in, in the last few weeks, and we've now moved through the first phase of that plan here in Lewis and Clark County. How did that go? We believe that uh, phase 1A, which was our health care providers and their support, um, went really well. Uh, we believe it was about the most efficient we, we conducted a drive-through clinic at the fairgrounds, which is we've established as our primary point of distribution for vaccine through this effort, and it went extremely well. Uh, we were partnered with St. Peter's Health and Peerview Health Center, and we believe it was pretty seamless. We got through it very quickly, and we are definitely in front of the... I think we might have lost you, Eric. I think... Oh, you did. Can there you, you are. Can you hear me? You're back. Okay. So we're, we're ahead of the, the, the Montana curve on this thing, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yep. We have a great team working on this right now, and we are highly adaptable. Uh, I want to note here that um, it's a, that's an important point because we can adapt to changes. For example, the governor, uh, Gianforte, had some changes that he wanted to get accomplished. Uh, we were able to readily adapt to those changes, and uh, our clinic is now um, operating as as he intent or as he would like it to to look at this point. Yeah, my guess is that uh, other counties, other uh, cities in the state are probably looking toward Helena, saying, "Okay, well." They're already done. How, how do we do what they did? I mean, are you getting contacted from elsewhere saying, how do we streamline our operation? We are, absolutely. Um, I look at public health as sort of a large community in, in the state of Montana. Being a decentralized system, all of our counties have their own jurisdictional authorities under public health, and we're all working together on this. We've had a number of counties reach out to us and just to try to get some insight as to how we set up the model, how we're running it, and all the logistics around it. So how many vaccinations were handed out in, in phase 1A? Do you, I, I'm putting you on the spot with a number. Yeah, it's, it's really tough to see exactly. Um, but, but I would say roughly we had, you know, 3,000 to 3,500 administered doses okay. in our county um, during that period. Which, I mean, you, you look at county as a whole, so we're already saying, what, 10% of the county has, has been vaccinated? Well, yeah. I mean, you could, depending on how you look at it, um, we have approximately 69,000 folks living in our jurisdiction at this time, according to the census. And so we're a little bit behind that, uh, that percentage. But you know what? Um, moving into next week, we know we're going to be able to get, you know, we're hoping to get as many as 2,000 shots in arms next week um, uh, in, in, into phase 1B. And that there, there you would be getting closer to about 10% of our right. population. Yeah. So yeah. what did we learn through the process? I mean, I guess both in the supply chain side of things and on the actual needles and arms portion. We, we learned that there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of logistics that need to be considered here. Um, we know that right now the, the largest issue is supply. Um, we know the demand is high, and we know, we know that our supply is limited. Um, therefore, we, we are able at this point to, um, you know, do much more than, we're, than, than the supply will allow. Uh, so what we're learning is we need to 
use all that time to plan to communicate. Um, we've learned uh, certainly that communication is a tough stri is tough through this. We want to get that information out in as many ways as possible. That's why we thank you for this opportunity this morning. We want folks to understand this. We are trying to be as transparent as possible. So just really the process has been, you know, continuous process improvement all the way through looking at the logistics and trying to get things rolled out as efficiently as possible, as equitably as possible. Well, and we were ready to go for this 1B, you know, already, and we had to, you know, I, I guess you were told to wait. Is that a state thing? Is that a federal thing that they're wanting everybody to move through phases at the same time? Where where did that come from? Yeah, again, that, yeah, we were told that we were going a little bit too quickly because we had this this uh, this process in place, and it was highly efficient. And, and it wasn't, this is not a negative thing. I mean, sure. we'd like to continue to move forward and, and be vaccinating folks in our community, but we understand that if the state is not quite in step, we have 1A healthcare professionals across the state that need that, that limited supply, right? So we have to be able to be a little bit more equitable, get those folks, those jurisdictions, some time to get up to speed and get everybody that was in that 1A vaccinated so that we can move into 1B and, and be a little bit more equitable there. Were, were there some positives in that pause for us that I, I guess you kind of had some extra time to prepare for this next round? I, that's a great point. I appreciate you saying that. Yes. Um, I would say our team did appreciate the opportunity to sort of set this up. You know, that we've, we were trying to, we were struggling with how to be equitable and how to get this out and roll this out because the net phase one B is large. There's a lot of people there and how do we do that? So what we were able to do is communicate and strategize around that and get systems in place. For example, an online registration system for phase one B uh, ongoing, and that is really about the most equitable way. We also have opportunities for those to get uh, set up that have trans that have uh, barriers to technology and that type of thing. Um, but that's a, that's our strategy right now. Okay, we're talking with Eric Merchant uh, about the COVID nineteen vaccination plan here in Lewis and Clark County, and just I guess operationally, Eric, because we've got a lot of listeners uh, that are going to be in. Uh, this next round of vaccinations, what does it look like, you know, on the ground at the, at the fairgrounds? Because uh, you mentioned there, I mean, first, you have to make an appointment. And, and so people have to get online. They can't just show up in their car the morning of, right? Correct. Okay. So they got to get online. What about the people that, that don't have access to the internet right now, especially with the library closed to the public? There, there are more that fall into that category. Can people call or what, what do they do? Yeah, there there is a number, um, right? There the, for those folks that have technology barriers, we want folks to be able to, um, you know, have access regardless. It's, you shouldn't just because you don't have a computer or don't have a smartphone or access to that or don't don't or aren't tuned into that type of thing or in social media doesn't mean that you're not equally uh, entitled to getting a shot if you're in this category. So older persons who prefer to speak with someone can call the Rocky Mountain Development Council area for. That's the Agency on Aging, and they have so graciously volunteered to provide those seniors who have access barriers to the online ticketing system with a call center. The number is 406-447-1680. This is important. This is a call center and not for the general public. We ask that folks go to our, our vaccine hub or our COVID-19 hub online where you can access the registration process readily, and that, uh, that is on our, you can access that readily on our website. But for those that have barriers um, and, and would just prefer to talk to somebody that are in this group, we want them to be able to call 447-1680 and get, uh, and get that worked out for them. Okay. But if you've got access, it's, uh, it's lccountymt.gov, right, is where they need to go? Forward, yeah, you can go there. You can get on that generally or, or lccountymt.gov uh, forward slash health. 
-hmm. and then you'll see right away it says COVID-19 hub right at the top. Click in there and it'll be, you can just walk through the process. It's all that information is there available for you on the vaccine information tab. Okay. Eric Merchant with us this morning. We're talking COVID-19 and uh, the vaccination plan. Uh, so Eric, they get their appointment set day of, what do they need to do? So the, the appointments are, you're choosing a, basically an hour. So we've got it set up where we'll be vaccinating next Tuesday and th Tuesday and Wednesday, for example, from 1 to 6 p.m. When you go in to register, there's going to be blocks of time. You're, 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 uh, you're registering for 1 to 2, 2 to 3, 3 to 4, 4 to 5, and so on. And so we have a number of tickets associated with that, registrations associated with those time frames. So we want you to show up at the time that you have chosen. We do have flexibility there. So if things get backed up or if they're going more speedy, um, we can do things. But um, we want you generally to go at that time. It's just like getting a ticket to... Uh, you know, anything else, like a concert or something mm -hmm. like that. You've got your ticket, and this is your time. And then how long does the process take? When, once they get, I mean, obviously, you know, if they get in the back of a line of traffic, but but just in general, how long does it take one individual to get, get through, get their shot, and get back out on the road? So we are doing approximately eight vehicles every five minutes. So uh, depending on what, you know, how many we can get that. We, we, we've got it down to about 100 an hour right now 100 individuals so whatever that math works out yeah to Detroit. that well i yeah. don't know i was told there'd be no math but i know that's fast <laughs> it, yeah it's it pretty it's pretty speedy yeah well and you've seen a lot of these now ha have we had any reactions past just the standard you know they have a sore arm you know minor because i know people are concerned because in the news randomly we hear about people with severe reactions but those are very very uncommon very uncommon, and uh, we have not seen anything uh, real se severe. We've had folks that have been concerned. We did have an individual, you know, we've had people that have had, you know, some some signs of an of of, a, of an allergic reaction, but nothing severe at all. Nothing we were where we needed to move to the hospital or anything like that. Uh, largely, it's just been. Uh, I would say the biggest thing has been concern. Um, you know, just really fear around it, and that's what we try to get information out to help folks understand how safe this is. Um, but yeah, we, we haven't had anything significant today. Okay. Eric Merchant with us on Coffee Break talking about the vaccination plan here in our county. How many of these, Eric, are we getting each week? I mean, is it a standard number now or does that still, is there some flux there? Uh, I, I'm assuming you're referring is to supply. The number of vaccines. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, we, we, um, it is very inconsistent at this time. Okay. So we understood, we, we believed we were going to get much more this week than we did. Um, but, you know, we hope that that's going to change. We hope that we're going to start seeing a bunch of vaccine coming in every week and so that we can, you can imagine um, with, you know, first dose shots and then second dose shots being scheduled, we know we're going to get the second doses. That's, that's guaranteed. But we, well, as we schedule this out and have those events, we need to make sure you can't just turn on a dime. So we need, we're, there's a lot of planning that happens, a lot of people on the ground and a lot of things that need to get done. So we need to understand what that supply is. We hope that that, you know, it happens pretty quickly. Yeah, well, and you mentioned the second dose. I mean, uh, th right now you're giving people that first shot, but pretty soon you're going to have people getting in line to get that booster shot because you need to get that. I mean, this isn't complete if you don't get that uh, that booster shot. That's going to make the dance a little bit more intricate for you. Yeah, we're going to be doing, we've got that scheduled out. Every Tuesday and Wednesday moving forward, we are doing first doses. And then beginning the week of the 25th, we are doing second doses on Thursday, Thursday and Fridays. Um so, and, it, and it's consistent going out. So we, and you know, we, we need to make sure that those folks that have been vaccinated with the first dose have a clear and automatic opportunity to get that second dose. Because as you said, 
it, it's not it's, you're not vaccinated until you've had your second dose and you've and, and even a couple of weeks past that time. Right. We've got Eric Merchant with us on Coffee Break this morning, and we've got about three minutes left with him. And uh, right now, uh, priority is first going to, uh, when we're talking 1B, that, that's to the older Montanans right now is who you're kind of scheduling first. So, yeah, we had to tier it out. Phase 1B is very large, so we tiered out at age 70-plus uh, for the first week um, or for these first events. Um, and we're going to see how quickly we can move through these these folks. There is a strategy that we're that we're publishing online at the COVID-19 hub. We want people to go to the COVID-19 hub. That is where you're going to get your information, um, and we will spell all that information out. Phase one B, tier one is 70 and over, and we're going to be cranking out those vaccines next Tuesday and Wednesday the 19th and 20th. Okay. And then we shift to those that are 16 to 69 with varying underlying conditions. Correct. Okay. And we, and we, our strategy within that, imagine that is a, that is a large uh, group as well. So we're going to tier that out by age group as well. So moving down through the decades, starting with, you know, 60 and over and moving down with those underlying health conditions. Okay. And how long do you anticipate it taking us to get through one B? Mm, um, that is uh, completely supply driven, uh, sure. and and I'm not sure. I hope that we can do this in you know a month or so. I don't even it, Troy. It's tough. You know yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we're gonna do the quick. We're gonna do the best we can. I'm assuming that we're gonna be able to ramp up. We have also expanded our operations. This is an important point, real quick. Uh, we we will be doing mobile clinics to folks that have act, transportation barriers, other access barriers. We have act, We are partnering with. Blue Cross Blue Shield Caravan program, and we have our own mobile clinic as well uh, to get around and get out to those folks that are having issues, whether regardless of their age. Uh, but they have to fill into into the guidelines of the governor at this point. Right. We got about one minute left, uh, Eric. So obviously, like you said, we're we're it, it's in flux. We're not exactly sure one B, but then after that, that's when we move on to the frontline workers. We're we're talking police, fire, food workers, teachers, that sort of thing. Correct. Okay. And then hopefully by what late spring, early summer, Helena is, uh, Helena's done and, and you can focus on something else when you get to work in the morning. That would be fantastic. My, what's really important to me right now is that we get folks protected and that we do it in an equitable and a safe way. Um, really important stuff to get our community. It's, it's exciting, um, to think about this phase. Uh, it's great to think about something positive moving toward, you know, protecting the community instead of trying to, you know, work on disease cases all day, all day long and month long and, and year long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Well, I, I sure appreciate yeah. the work that you're doing out there. I mean, this is, as we've said, it's very complicated. Uh, it's complex, a lot of moving parts. And uh, it, it feels good to know that we are ahead of the curve in Montana and you were doing such an incredible job. So uh, thanks for that. And thanks for the time this morning. Appreciate it, Troy. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Anybody wants any more information about what's going on, just check out at uh, Lewis and Clark County Public Health website. That's all the time we have. We'll see you back here on Monday. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.